Thanks for joining us today at the Christian Faith Center Sermon Podcast. At CFC, we live to worship God, we love to serve people, and we value community. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our pastors. It's like that song, No Place I'd Rather Be, right? No Place I'd Rather Be. I mean, in the song, it's talking about here and, and your love, and it's true, but it's nice to be here at Christian Faith Center, Amen. So good you're here. So glad you're joining us today. This is uh, part three of my series about new, and uh, this has been uh, one of the, the more challenging ones for me because growth is not really an easy topic, something we like to talk about, and it's also at times can be kind of painful, uh, but if you have your Bible, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. That's where we're going to start this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. New growth, title of today's message, new growth. Um, and, and you see the, this idea of growth all throughout Scripture. And you, you can look in Scripture and you can see things like uh, this idea of infancy to maturity. Uh, you see things, seeds and plants being mentioned. Jesus talks about many parables about seeds. You see the apostles worked and prayed for growth in the believers. We, we talk about dimensions of spiritual growth and growth in faith, growth in knowledge, growth in love. Uh, we know that growth comes from God, which is what we're going to study today. And growth comes through discipleship. You know, putting away the sinful self, move, moving from, uh, from basic teaching to, to more advanced teaching, maturing in thinking and faith and contributing to the growth of the church, right, by using our gifts, that God wants us to use the gifts that he's given us to grow and enlarge his church. And we talk about growth in the kingdom, and God promises that the kingdom will grow. We see growth throughout all of Scripture, and it's something that God wants for us too, Amen. It's something that is not always easy, it's not always convenient, but it is something that is necessary. So here we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and really uh, church was, was, uh, the church in Corinth was a very interesting church. It was something that was used to the idea of new, because when the Romans came in, they destroyed it in 146 BC, and it was rebuilt in 46 uh, BC by Julius Caesar, and the city itself was huge. It was actually three major cities, and it was largely populated by Italians, hey, right? Hey, I want to see if you're awake. It was populated by Italians, and it attracted other Mediterranean people and, the, and some Jewish people. So this is a very diverse church, a very diverse area. And, and Paul's writing this first letter to address two major concerns that he has, is, is the, the sexual immorality that was running rampant. Because at that time, they, they had a temple for Aphrodite, and it was, it was this weird, not healthy thing that they were doing. And then also, the church was really struggling with accepting the resurrected body of Jesus. So the primary goal of this letter was to address those two things, sexual immorality and the resurrection of Jesus. But we can read here in 1 Corinthians 3, we start in verse 5, he's addressing something else here. He's saying this in verse 5. He says, who then is Paul, who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? And so let's stop for a minute, right? He's addressing the letter. He's saying, who's Paul? He's saying, who am I? Well, he was the one that planted the church here. So to, to the scope of the church, he was pretty important. He was pretty significant. But he says, it's not me. Who am I? And who's Apollos? Apollos was the one that was leading the church when Paul wasn't there. So he's starting by saying, who are these two people? I mean, you can look at it and go, these are two pretty important people. But he's like, it's not us. It's not the people. And let's look at what he keeps saying here. He says, I planted... Apollos watered, but who gave the increase? God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, 
but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, you are God's building." According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another built on it, but let each one take heed on how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You know, Paul's saying, listen, this is important. I planted, Apollos watered, but the increase came from where? God. I did this. I planted this thing. This man was in charge. Apollos was in charge. He was, he was taking care of it. He was watering it. But really, the increase came from God. See, it's not the people that matter in our lives. What matters is the increase and the growth that comes through God. So he's saying, yes, I was integral. I was important. So was Apollos. But really, growth came from and comes from God. It doesn't matter who waters. It doesn't matter who plants. It doesn't matter who tweets it. It doesn't matter who posts it or reposts it. What matters is the growth that God wants for us, we have to first and foremost realize can only come from God. The growth that God wants to have in our lives cannot just come from us trying to do or someone else trying to plant. It has to come from God. Now, is the planting important? Yes. Is the watering important? Yes. But true growth comes from God. True, lasting growth can only come from God. You can have a nice resume like Paul and have planted seeds all over the place, but the growth will only always come through God. So you and I, this is what we have to realize because when we are experiencing this new growth that God wants us to experience in our lives, it can only come from him. We do our part. We allow the seed to be planted into our heart. We water it. We take care of the ground, but the growth can only come from God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name this morning, and Lord, I pray that every single one of us has a heart that is going to be good soil, that when the seed of your word gets planted, Lord, that that growth will take place, that we will see that supernatural growth in our hearts that you want to see, and that, Father, it's not by our might, it's not by our power, it's not by our doing, Lord, it's all through you, because growth comes from you. Growth comes through the Holy Spirit. It comes through our relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray for this. We pray for you to just move in our hearts this morning as we receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. See, the first thing I want to talk about this morning is that we need to be planted in the right place. See, being planted in the right place is the first step for, for growth to really take place, for the growth that matters to take place. And if you can, turn to Psalm 1, please, Psalm chapter 1. Be planted in the right place. We've talked about new the past couple of Sundays in this message, right? Isaiah says, behold, I make all things new, right? Forget the former, forget the, the previous, Look here, here's the new. Behold, I make all things new is what it says in Revelation, right? He wants to make new things happen in our lives. He doesn't just want the same thing to kind of grow and not mature. He wants new things to happen in our lives. And when we read about Isaiah, we read about how they had some good things. Israel had some great experiences that they remembered, that they held on to. And Isaiah was telling them, listen, that was great. God wants to do something new and greater in your future. And he was trying to help them, listen, don't hold on to the past, hold on to the future with God that he has for you to see that new take place. 
And so as we're studying new, we can't forget all of those other things we've studied. This, this new growth ties into all of those things. Look at verse 1 here in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. What, a, what an awesome verse, right? The, the book of Psalms starts with this amazing, powerful passage of Scripture. But look at what it's talking about here. Blessed is the people. Blessed are us. We are blessed because we don't worry about being with the ungodly or standing in the path of sinners or sitting with bad people, right? We know that your friends matter. I ha we had a speaker come to the school that I work at, and he said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Because who you surround yourself with matters. Who you surround yourself with matters in the realm of how much you are going to grow or not grow. That's why it says here, blessed is, the, blessed is the man, right? Blessed are those who walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. And his delight is the law of the Lord. See, the law of the Lord is referring to all scripture about him. We should have a joy when we read scripture. It should be exciting to just read for the sake of reading the word of God because the Holy Spirit gives you something that you never had before. Part of my, my, my thing this week is I've been very diligent in, in just studying for my own personal growth and not just studying for the sermon for today. Because so many times, especially for me, it's hard to just sit and study for the sake of studying. But if I'm not filling myself and feeding myself for my own personal relationship with Jesus, it's going to come across wrong in the message that I'm preparing for us. Because my personal relationship with Jesus matters. Can I say, can I say something else too in, in honesty and in love? Hear me. My personal relationship with Jesus matters in my relationship here in the church. Okay? I know that might, like, what do you mean, Nick? Do you not love us? I love all of you. But if my relationship with Jesus isn't right, it doesn't matter how much I love you because I'm trying to give you something I don't have. Your relationship with Jesus matters than the role that you have in the kingdom of God. You can be the most well-renowned, well well-known minister in the world, but if you don't have a good personal relationship with Jesus, it's going to come across. It doesn't matter because God doesn't want numbers. God wants one. He wants you. He wants you and him. He wants that closeness between you and him. So when we talk about delighting in the law of the Lord, that's an important thing. Read the Bible. Re get a translation you like that excites you, that you're passionate about, and just sit and devote time to reading it because that's when you get the most revelation. I get more revelation in my personal reading time than I do trying to put together a message from, the Holy, from God, from the Holy Spirit, because I'm just letting the Holy Spirit just tell me whatever he wants to tell me. And when we do the same thing, growth will take place because then what happens is in doing that, it's like you're a tree planted by the rivers of the water. Now, could you imagine a tree planted right by a river, how much it's never worrying about what the source is. It never worries about if I'm going to have water tomorrow. It can be a desert around the tree and it's always pulling from the source. You can be surrounded by a desert, have a close relationship with Jesus, be planted by the rivers of living water, and never thirst and never run dry. But it starts that growth that God wants us to have has to start by being planted in the right place. 
because even the fruit, which we're going to talk about today, the fruit will be good. Your leaves aren't going to wither. You're going to, have, you're going to bring forth fruit in the season, in the right time, the time that God wants, because you're planted in the right place. How do you get planted in the right place? Well, look at, the, look at verse 1. It says, don't be around ungodly people. Don't stand in the path, right? Don't go where the sinners are going or sit at the seat of the scornful. You might be thinking, well, Nick, that's my dinner table every night. Then I'm going to pray for your family. If you sit at the seat of the scornful is your dinner table, I'll pray for you, right? But the people that we can choose to be around with, when we choose the right people, like we're seeing in verse 1, it's going to lead to verse 3. Who you surround yourself with matters. Who you surround yourself with matters so, so much. And it's like a heart thing too, right? It's a willingness to choose to be with these people or not, the people that you can choose to surround yourself with, your friends, right? You're, you're making a decision to say, you know what? Where my heart is matters because where your heart is planted matters. Where your heart is planted. Am I worrying about just getting along in this life and just getting as many friends as possible? Because where your heart is planted matters. Where your heart is planted matters and where your feet are planted matters. See, some of you just think, well, I just happen to show up here at a Christian faith center. I like the pastor. He's really funny. He tells more jokes than his son, right? I'm not offended. It's okay. I still like you. No, I love you, right? Where your heart is planted matters, but where your feet is planted matters. See, you are planted here in this church for a reason. It is not an accident that you are here at Christian Faith Center. God called you to be here. You responded to the call, and now you're here. And what happens is you will grow where you are planted. There are so many times that I've talked to people and I've heard that they go from church to church to church to church to church, and they have tons of issues in their lives. You know why? They're not planted anywhere. You grow where you're planted. You're here. God called you here. Be planted here. No gardener will tell you, yeah, you can dig up a plant as much as you want to and keep planting it and it will be fine. No, there's so much more work that has to go into planting and uprooting and transferring than you need to. I've studied a lot about agriculture this week leading into this message of new growth, okay? I think I'm going to have a, a vineyard in my new house once I get it, once we start talking about wines. Don't get, I'm getting very passionate about wines and grape growing, okay? But in terms of digging up and moving plants, right, there's a lot you have to do because if you dig up a new plant and you don't keep those roots super watered, they'll die. They'll shrivel up and they'll die. Now, you can transplant plants. You can take it from here and move it here, but you got to know what you're doing because if you don't, it's going to shrivel up and die. God wants us to realize that we grow where we're planted. If you're here, you're planted here, you're going to grow here. And if, you, and if you feel like there's people in your lives that are not growing, that, that are not maturing, help them get planted someplace. It's not a commercial for our church. It's a commercial for the big church, the big C church. Get them hooked up to a church that they like. Get them invested. Get them planted because that's when they'll grow. We grow where our heart is. And you grow where you're planted. See, God realized, he wants you to realize that you've been planted here for a reason. You're called here for a reason. You're called into the kingdom of God for a reason. And as we grow, we will discover what that reason is. Amen? Because know what God wants us to do? He wants us to produce good fruit. Simple. He wants us to produce good fruit. It, 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 this is like a personal revelation for me, that all of these promises that God has for us, he wants us to know these promises. It, it's not like it's supposed to be a hidden thing for his children. I want my son to know what honesty is. I want my son to know what good decisions are. I want my physical son to know all of these things. 
How much more does our good heavenly Father want us to know those things? He wants us to know that he wants us to produce good fruit. Turn to Isaiah chapter 5, please, verse 1. He wants us to produce good fruit. He's equipped us. He's enabled us to produce good fruit. You have the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of you. That's more than enough fertilizer and watering to help you produce good fruit. The Holy Spirit inside moving through us is more than enough. Isaiah chapter 5, looking at verse 1 here. God wanted Israel to be that tree planted by the water. He wanted them to be that tree that never ran dry, that tree that delighted in his law, that tree that brought forth fruit. And God refers to Israel as a vine many times in Scripture. It was a very common fruit back then. And so here in Isaiah chapter 5, we're reading that Isaiah is kind of, he's correcting them. He's inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's inspired by God to share these truths because the fruit that they were producing wasn't good fruit. Look at verse 1. It says, now, let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. So right off the bat, we can see the heart of God to the people, right? See the heart of God? My well-beloved, a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. This is how God is referring to Israel. The, the beloved and the well-beloved has a vineyard. He, this is a loving person talking about something he cares about and is passionate about. And look, this is what he did. He dug it up, he cleared out the stones, and he planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in the midst. He made wine presses in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. Another translation is bad fruit or worthless grapes. Bad fruit or worthless grapes. That's what that means, that wild grapes. You think for a minute, right? What, what is God saying? What's, what is Isaiah saying to the people at this time? He's like, listen, you were chosen. You were God's choice vineyard. You were planted with the best vines. Everything that God had around you was to help you be successful. He cleared out the stones so there wouldn't be anything inhibiting your growth. He planted you with the best possible source. He put a tower in the middle to have someone watch over it. He made a wine press because he was expecting the fruit that they were going to produce to be worthy of making wine out of it. So God is saying, listen, I set you guys all up for everything that you needed to be successful, to have fruit, to bless other people, but you were wild grapes. You were bad fruit. You were worthless grapes. And look at verse 3. Now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done to my vineyard that I could not have done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? It's, it's, he's, again, he's saying, listen, I prepared things for you. I helped you. I made it as clear as possible but you still didn't produce the right fruit. And look now in verse 5, Isaiah 5, 5. He says, and now please, let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it shall be burned and break down its wall and it shall be trampled down and I will lay it to waste and it shall be pruned. It shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns and I will command the clouds that they rain not on it. And so this is a specific thing that God is telling Israel. It's like, listen, you didn't want to be the good vine. You wanted to reject me. I'm going to remove my protection around you because you said, no, I don't want the protection. I don't want to be part of this vineyard when the choice vine dresser, I don't, they didn't want that. So God says, fine, I'm going to remove it. I'm going to remove the protection. I'm going to remove this. They were producing bad fruit. And after all these years of not following God, God's saying, okay, I'm going to take a step back. 
now you're on your own. You don't want me involved, now you're going to be on your own. See, in life, we all produce fruit of some kind. We do. You're either diligent about the fruit you produce, or you kind of hope good fruit happens, and you might not get good fruit. You might get some bad fruit. You might get some wild vines. You might get something that's really not worth anything. But God wants us to have good fruit, amen? See, what Isaiah is telling the people is not what God wants to tell you and I. He's not telling you, listen, I'm going to leave you. You're not going to have a wall around you. You're going to let thorns are going to grow. You're just not going to reign in your life. That's what he was telling the people. But we can look at this and realize that, wow, there's something important that we need to pull out of this for our own sake. See, it, it, it's interesting to me. It says, I will lay it to waste. I, I'll remove the wall. And it says, I will not prune it. It shall not be pruned. Because, see, that's the most important thing about this. See, what was happening is they were growing the wrong kind of fruit. And so God's telling them, listen, I'm not even going to prune you. See, God turns them over to their way of life. He says, the wall's gone and, and, and you don't have any protection. The worst thing is you're not going to be pruned. See, many times we think about the pruning as something that's not good. But pruning is necessary for healthy growth. Pruning is necessary for healthy growth. The word pruning is the word purge, and it's the word cleaning, right? It's free from anything that's impure. It's, it's something that's cleansing. The, the, the pruning process is a good process. If you are going to make a wine or you're going to have a vineyard, you need the pruning process. Now, here's where I'm going to get real nerdy about grapes for like five minutes, okay? I studied a couple YouTube videos, and now I'm an expert. Anyone else been like that before? Great. So talking, thank you for the honest hands. I appreciate that. So here's, here's how vines work, because I'm like, I've got to study vines, and I've got to see this. I've got to see what happens in action. And so I was watching how vines and how vineyards grow. And it's amazing that every year, year after year, they have to prune back the vines. They have to prune them back so they can have these huge, big bushels. They have to prune back 80 to 90% of the previous year's growth so that it can sustain growth over the long haul. Every year, if there's people who have vineyards, they have to trim back 80 to 90% of the growth every single year so that that vine can produce fruit the next season. So the th question is, then, well, then what happens if they don't prune it back? Won't there just be more fruit? Actually, it's worse in the long run if they don't prune it back. Because what happens is there's so much growth, it's drawing so many nutrients from the ground that it's going to keep doubling and doubling in size to the point where it might have a crazy huge abundance of fruit one year, and then it's going to die in the winter because it doesn't have enough to sustain it over a long period of time. See, the pruning is required for the growth. They'll take that whole big thing back and they'll prune it so each little stem has just two little buds on it and that's it. And that's enough to produce more growth for the entire year. And what happens is as they prune it back year after year, it's not just going to grow out of control. It's going to have enough saved on the inside of it so that it can have more growth year after year after year. Y'all get me with this? So that here's the, here's the point that we can take home, right? Pruning is necessary for growth. Pruning is necessary for growth. Now, it doesn't mean that you think about this and the things that God has for us and the good that he's done in our lives. Does this mean that we forget the good that God has done in our lives? Absolutely not. But what God wants us to realize is that the things that he did for you yesterday, you take it, you keep it on the inside, you let it go and hold on to the new growth that God's going to do in the future. 
You can't, you can't hold on to yesterday's miracles and yesterday's blessing and, 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 and then expect something new to come into place. See, God wants us to hold on to the growth that we've had over the year and internalize it. Trim it back, keep it deep within your heart because that on the inside will produce more, bigger, sustainable growth in the future. Pruning was necessary for growth back then. Pruning is necessary for growth in you and I. The promises that God has for us, the new things that he wants to do, we have to prune to grow. And this is what Jesus talks about in John 15. Turn to John 15, chapter 1. Very famous parable. I know, we, I know we know this. We've probably studied this before. But we know he is the vine and we are the branches, right? He is the true vine. And so you see in the Scripture in the Old Testament, many times God referred to Israel as a vine, as a wild vine, as a branch. So now Jesus is here and he's telling them, I'm the true vine. I'm the vine that matters. I'm the vine that you need to focus on, me. I'm the vine. So when we read about this, we read about what Jesus says in John chapter 15, I think we'll get some new perspective about it because what happens is when we realize that I have to prune to grow, when we're letting the true vine grow around us, we'll have a lot of growth, amen? John chapter 15, look at verse one. Because I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes or purges or cleans, that will bear more fruit. You have already been clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now that word abide is very important. It means get here stay here, and don't leave from here. Get here, stay here, don't leave from here. And if you look at how an actual vine grows, right, this, this part in the bottom, right, if you're just listening to this, you're missing out on the impressive visual, so come to church. Um, that's for the podcast. Uh, so there the bottom part, that like woody part is called a cordon. I told you I'm getting really nerdy with vines. I'm going to grow some, okay? That's called the cordon, that, the gordon, uh, cordon. That's like the growth part of the vine itself. See, that doesn't produce the fruit. That is the part that holds up the vine. Those skinnier kind of shoots that are thinner and the, the light brown, those are called canes. I told you, I'm really nerdy with this stuff now. Help me, okay? Those are the canes. See, the canes are the new growth that the grapes come off of. It's very hard to see where it starts and stops because why? They're abiding in the branch, right? You can kind of see where some start from there, but you can't see where all of them start and stop. They're what? They're abiding. They're there. They're growing. We're the branch. He's the vine. We're the one that when we're obedient and we submit to him, he's going to produce the fruit around us that others are going to be blessed with. He's going to produce those good grapes that are going to be taken, pressed down and given and made wine to somebody else and share the blessing that God has in us. We're just the branches. He's the vine. When we abide in him and he abides in us, we'll produce what? We'll produce fruit. When you get here, you stay here and don't leave from here, you're going to have that good fruit. That's going to be us. That we're solid. We're, we're planted in the right place. I'm, I'm planted by the rivers of living water. I'm going to let him grow. I'm going to let him prune me back so that I can have sustainable growth year after year after year. Look at what he says here in verse 5. I'm the vine, you are the branches. 
He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. See, the growth comes from Jesus because we're abiding in him. That's where the growth comes from. It doesn't come from us willing it to happen. It comes because Jesus is in us. He's the one that's growing in us. The fruit of Jesus, right? People are going to see our fruit. They're going to know you by your fruit. It's always hard to say that. It's always hard to think about that. People will know you by your fruit. This is a very different picture than Isaiah was painting in Isaiah 5, right? He's saying you are wild grapes, you are out of control, you're bad fruit. But Jesus is saying, listen, you be the branches, I'll be the vine. You be the branches, I'll be the vine. And what happens is you'll have good growth. Because if you abide in me and I in you, you're going to bear a lot of fruit. But without me, we can't do anything. How many of you are at that point where without Jesus, you can't do anything? Yeah. You got to get, see, that's the point in your life you got to be at. Without Jesus, I can't do anything because it's not me. It's all him. Every decision that I make, I got to trust I got to trust in God for. Every decision that I make, is this what God wants me to do? Any wrong decision I make, I, I feel convicted and I should because I knew, Lord, I'm sorry that I shouldn't have done this because I need to be so reliant upon him. I need him to be so ever present in my heart that every decision I make is driven by him, by me abiding in him and him abiding in me. Look at verse six. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. But this, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. See, what does God want from us? What is Jesus saying here? He wants us to have much fruit. He wants us to grow. He wants us to realize that he is the key factor in us growing. It's the fact that, yes, God has done something great for me in the past, but I cannot hold on to yesterday's promises because I'll miss out on tomorrow's blessings. I have to realize that, yes, God helped me through this situation. I can't just focus on it anymore. I have to let him prune it back, keep it deep within my heart, because then I'm going to have sustainable growth. Some people have hit roadblocks because they're overgrown with God's goodness in the past and won't let him move in the future and the new growth that God wants to have for them. See, Lord, this great thing you did in my life, I'm so focused on that past blessing. It's just growing and growing and growing. God's like, great, I got something new and better for you. Let me prune this back. Keep it deep in your heart. Keep that here, but let new growth take place in your future. Those vines will not grow unless they're pruned. They'll have an overabundance of a blessing, and then they just will just die because they have nothing inside. They have no nutrients inside that sustain their growth. Some of you feel like that's just you. You've had just an abundance of blessings because you've held on to it, and you feel like you're dry and you're lacking something inside. That's because the Holy Spirit is going to help you prune that back and allow you to have new growth today in Jesus' name. Because God wants you to have new growth. He wants us to have new growth. He wants us to realize it's us abiding in Jesus and Jesus abiding in us and that we're going to have much fruit. Not just fruit, much fruit. What's the point of having fruit? To give it to somebody else. What's the point of getting something from God? To give it to something else, to give it to somebody else. What's the point of you having peace in your situation? To give that peace to somebody else. See, the fruit is not just for you. A, a vine dresser, the one who owns the vine, cannot realistically consume all of the grapes and wine growing in their vineyard, okay? 
they would have a serious problem if they're trying to consume everything in their vineyard, right? The vineyard is for other people. The fruit that you and I bear is for other people. When you are obedient to the call that God has for you, you're bearing fruit. The fruit is going to be for other people. When God gives you new growth, the new growth is for you, but really it's for other people because that's what God wants. He wants us to grow. He wants us to realize that he is the vine. We're the branches. We can't produce anything without him, but because I'm abiding in him and he's abiding in me, I'm going to bear much fruit. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're going to bear a lot of fruit. Go ahead, tell them. You're going to bear a lot of fruit. Don't forget the people behind you. Tell them too. You're going to bear a lot of fruit. There's some people in the back that have no one next to help them out here. You're going to bear a lot of fruit. You're not going to be fruity. You're going to bear a lot of fruit, okay? Bear a lot of fruit. And here's the last main point, which is powerful. We can't, right, we can't let last year's harvest hold back tomorrow's growth. We can't do that. We can't let last year's harvest prevent tomorrow's growth because that's easy to do. Easy to do. You got a good blessing from God. You got a miracle. You're focused on that miracle. You're focused on that blessing, and you're letting it prevent. It's preventing you from seeing the future that you have. A lot of married couples, this is the issue that you have. You're focused on how great the wedding was before you have kids, and now you have the kids. You can't focus on that blessing. You're focusing on the previous blessing, and that's holding you back from growth with your kids. Someone, it might be for your friends, it might be for your family members, but that's that's the truth. You're so focused on that good thing that you had. Now the kids come around and you're like, oh my God, I have to feed them. I have to take care of them. Yeah, no, that's a blessing from God. You have children. That is a blessing from God. When you view it as a blessing, when you view it as now I can help them grow because you can't focus on last year's harvest because it's going to hold you back from tomorrow's growth. Here's the last point. See, God wants us to produce fruit that remains. Not just fruit, not just have it, but the fruit remains. So when we allow for new growth, the new growth will produce a lot of fruit, and that fruit will remain. So turn back to, look at John, look at verse 16 here in John 15. Jesus says this at the end. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Now, every time we see Jesus say this, that any time it's, you know, ask the Father for whatever you want in my name, again, we know it's not a blank check kind of mentality, right? It's not blank check theology. It's not like you're just going to go around and say, yeah, I want that, Lord. God, I need that thing, right? God, I want that thing too. It's like, no, our desires should match the desires of God. Our heart's desire. David was a man after God's own heart. He, he got desires of his heart because he was a man after God's heart. When we're men and women after God's heart, the things we desire is what God desires for us. So when he says that, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Oh yeah, he'll give you stuff that's aligned to his plan, his mission, and his purpose for you. God, I just want a wife. God, why can't I just find a wife? He goes, you're not ready for it yet. Yikes, right? Oh, Lord, why can't you send Mr. Right? Because right now you're thinking about Mr. Wrong. That's not the right guy I have for you. Realize that I got someone better for you in the future. But what? If you're not in the right place, God knows the desires of our heart. But when our desires match his desires, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Your fruit should remain. Don't just be a vine. Don't just grow fruit, right? Realize that things have to remain. And for the fruit to remain, it has to be something bigger than anything here, right? For something to last that much that remains, that, that never fades, that never goes away, it has to be something eternal. It has to be something eternal. So what are the things that, that, that are eternal in lives? Turn, turn to 1 Corinthians 3. Turn back to 1 Corinthians 
chapter 3. There are many parts in Scripture where God talks about our eternal rewards, where we see many times, Paul talks about this here. We talk about the crowns that we have in heaven. There's, there is emphasis on eternal rewards that we have. Salvation is not an eternal reward. It is a free gift, right? Your salvation has been bought by the blood of Jesus. It is a free gift he freely gives. Now, what you do with that gift determines how you live in eternity. So there are things that we have to do. So when we talk about fruit that remains, it has to be beyond the realm that we are in right now because everything, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not return void, right? We know that this place is temporary. So the fruit that remains, what, will that, what is that talking about? I know you're flipping to the, the verse 12 right now, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12. And, and again, to kind of recap, in verse 9, Paul talks to the church and he calls them fellow workers, right? He calls them a field, God's field, God's fellow workers, God's building. And all three of those things, we are here at CFC, amen? We are all God's fellow workers. We're working hand in hand with him. We are part of God's field that we are going to be branches and let the vines grow because we're abiding in Jesus and he's abiding in us and we're God's building. The church is not the, the physical place that we're in. The church is right here. It's in all these seats. We are the church. Paul says this foundation, right? He's laying this foundation. Apollos is building it up and he tells him, be careful how you build. He tells them, be careful how you build because there is a right way to build something and there is a wrong way to build something. The right way to build it is if you're building it for God. The wrong way is if you're trying to build it for anything else. If you're building something for God, you're building it the right way. If you're building it for anything else, it's the wrong thing. Now, the church at Corinth was known for the rebuilding. Rome came in, they raised the place, they had to rebuild. This was something that was normal to them, the building idea. But now look, and we can tie this in here. Look at verse 12. He says, now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold or silver or precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which has been built on indoors he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as though through fire. See, that word endures is the same word we read about before in John 15 for remains. So we see there is a connection here between the vines that Jesus says and the fruit that will remain in John 15. And here, as Paul tells them, that the things that you build will endure because we are, we are not taking our bank account, our house, our cars with us to heaven. What are we taking to heaven with us? You're taking yourself, you're taking your soul, your emotions, everything you remembered here on earth, and you're taking the people that are also saved like you and I. That's what we're taking with us. You're not taking anything else. Your job status here, your title here does not matter in the kingdom of God. What matters is your relationship with God through Jesus. What matters is how much am I sharing that relationship with the world around me? Because that is the only thing I am taking with me. And so when we get to heaven, the things that we're building, when we talk about building it for God, are you reaching out to other people and sharing the gospel with them because you're building something for God? Are you trying to be like Jesus and serve those around you? Because then you're building the kingdom of God. Are you trying to do what you can to further the gospel, to live as Christ lived? 
then you're building for the kingdom of God. And when the end of this age is done, everything else is going to be burned up. That doesn't really matter. But what matters is the gold and the silver and the precious stones that we're building with. See, gold and silver and precious stones are not easy to come by. They're not. If you're building a house with diamonds, it's going to cost you a lot, and it's going to be very hard to do that. But it will withstand anything. When you're building for the kingdom of God, it's going to withstand the end of all of this. And it's not going to be burned up. It's going to be a treasure to God. He's going to look at your life and go, wow, I'm so proud of how you managed the time that I gave you with how you managed it and how you built the kingdom of God, how you lived for Christ the way that Jesus lived here, how you served other people because it's going to endure. That stuff will endure. The other stuff will not. And the things that you do privately for God matter more than the things that you do publicly for men. Praying for that person Ministering to that one person that only they see that ministering coming from matters more than anything publicly you do for God. What you do privately, how, how you, you try to just do that one thing for that one person. That one person interacts with other people, right? Notice how Jesus ministered to people, the disciples. He, he had one-on-one encounters with each of them that were meaningful, that drew them into the ministry that God called them to be a part of. He's like, here, come with me. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Then they go and they leave. And then what happens? Because they saw this, because they, they had that encounter with Jesus, then, then they furthered the gospel. Then they ministered to others. Then they were doing the same thing. The disciples then were training other disciples to be disciples, to make other disciples from them because they, they were focused on what they would do privately with God. Jesus prayed constantly to the Father. If there was anyone that did not have to pray at all on earth, it was Jesus. And he was the one that prayed the most out of anyone that has ever existed or walked on the face of this planet. Because what he did privately mattered more than what he did publicly. Because if he didn't spend time in the private time, he couldn't have done anything in the public time. If you don't spend time privately with God, it's going to come out publicly because you're not going to have that fruit and that fruit that remains. God wants you to have fruit. He wants you to be planted. He wants you to be a part of that vineyard. He wants you to be with the vine, in the vine, around the vine, surrounded by the vine to produce fruit. He wants you to produce fruit that remains. And the things that remain are the things that we do to build the kingdom of God. Let's close here in Jeremiah chapter 17. The last passage we're going to look at. Jeremiah 17. Look at verse 7 here. Just two verses. What are the keys to this new growth? What are the keys to growth that God wants us to have? First, it's to be planted in the right place. Growth starts by being planted in the right place. Have to be planted in the right place, otherwise everything else is going to fall out of place. Be planted in the right place. The second is to produce good fruit. Produce good fruit. Understand that you, if you are planted in the right place, you can produce good fruit. Produce that good fruit. Number three, prune and grow. Prune and grow. Be planted in the right place. Produce good fruit. Prune and then grow further. And then you'll produce fruit that remains. And the last thing we're going to look at here is this. In verse 7, it says in Jeremiah, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. See, here's the thing. When you're planted in the right place, you don't have to worry about growing. Growing takes place. If you're abiding in Jesus and he's abiding in you, Growth will happen naturally. 
The pruning, we have to be willing to be pruned, but once we prune, the growth will happen. And look at what it says here. He shall be like a tree planted by waters, which spread out its roots in the river and will not fear when heat comes. Because if you're planted in the right place, when, when the things of this world try to attack you and you see like a desert-like atmosphere approaching, you'll remember, oh, I'm planted in the water. I'm going to be okay. And when it feels dry around you, I'm planted by the water. I'm going to be okay. And don't be anxious in the year of the drought. Some of you are going through, you're like, yeah, I'm in a year of drought right now. That's great. Don't be anxious. Don't worry about that because if you are planted in the waters of God's word, you'll be fine. It might seem desperate or desolate around you. It might seem dry around you. But because you are planted in the right place, you will not cease to yield fruit. You will not cease from yielding fruit. You will keep growing. Even if everything else around you looks like it's dying, you being planted in God's word, you will still grow. Be planted in the right place. Produce good fruit. Prune and grow. Produce fruit that remains because that's what God wants for all of us. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, we thank you for the new growth that you have for us all, Father. That, Lord, we are so grateful, and we are so thankful for what we've gotten up until this point. We're so thankful from where we've come from, Lord, to where we are right now. But, Father, I pray that we are preparing our hearts for new growth, that we're preparing our hearts for the new thing that you're going to do. And, Father, I pray that if there's things in our lives that we need to prune back, that we allow you to prune them back. That we, we hold on to them deep in our hearts, but we're not worrying about it anymore, Lord. That we're going to trust in the growth that we have. It's going to be here. It's going to be settled on the inside of us, Lord. And we're preparing ourselves for that new growth and that new harvest. So, Lord, I pray for all these things. I pray for what you're doing in all of our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, it all starts with Jesus. You can't have that growth unless you're abiding in the true vine, which is Jesus. Unless you're abiding in him and he is abiding and living in you, you're not going to experience that new growth. So we have to extend this invitation. If you want that, if you want that relationship with Jesus, if you want that fresh start, if you want that new growth, it comes through saying yes to Jesus. So if that's you, we're going to say a prayer. We just want you to repeat after us. Everyone say Jesus. Say, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Say, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you are alive from the dead. Lord, live in me. Lord, work in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. If you like the content and want to get the word out about our podcast, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe wherever you listen. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit us at our website, christianfaith.center. God bless.